Hello friends, how are you? How are you getting on? I hope you're having a lovely, gentle day. My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess podcast and I am absolutely thrilled to have Maria Walsh-Healy on the podcast today for a chat. Uh, Maria is a support line manager of the Mental Health Support Line Aware and we're going to have the chats just to talk about where, what, what it's about, who they are, what they do. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have the chats. And Maria is currently stuck down, enjoying the festivities of the lockdown down in Wexford. And uh, she's going to tell us all about it. Maria, how are you? Hello, Colm. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a real privilege. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Thank you very much. How are you getting on? Good, good. Uh, so yeah, down here in in Wexford, um, like most of the country, we're working remotely from home. Um, so thankfully, I'm kept very busy with uh, my work with Aware, so I'm not feeling too isolated. I don't have time to to think about that as yet. Um, but yeah, down in the sunny southeast. Yeah, I love it. Uh, my sister sent me a thing to say her goal of the lockdown. There's four four p- things you can come out during the lockdown: is a monk, a chunk, a hunk, or a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I'm bordering on the chunk now at this stage. Column, yeah. um, <laughs> it's either the laptop know, calling uh, me or the fridge calling you, me. It's look, one or it, the other. <laughs> if you can be, if you can be a drunken monkey, you're doing all right. <laughs> a chunky, drunky monkey. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, so, uh, so, so, Maria, tell us, tell us a bit about the aware and the aware service. Brilliant. Delighted to call him. Um, I joined Aware just uh, over two and a half years ago. Um, Aware is a national charity and their purpose is to support and inform and educate people who are experiencing um, mood disorders. Um, Our focus would be on um, anxiety, depression and bipolar disorders. and we inform, educate and support people who are either experiencing those um, mental health conditions, but we also support their loved ones. So we support their loved ones around how to care for someone who is experiencing anxiety, depression or bipolar disorder. OK, yeah. And like what, what like who, when you think of levels of society, like who would it be aimed at? So anyone. Um, depression um, and anxiety, um, they don't have favourites, you know, they don't mm. pick out uh, specific social groups. Um, these are conditions that can affect anybody from any walk of life. So, uh, you know, our services are not targeted at any one demographic at all. We have many people who use our services. Some people use our services um, one time only for information source um, and sometimes uh, people come back and use our services time and again when they need support in the moment. Yeah, I love that and that's why I asked that question because sometimes it can be a stigma where, you know, I remember talking to a guy about mental health and, and he said to me, oh, I don't get mental health. He's like, sorry? He's like, oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever get mental health. And I was like, well, that, that's like saying you don't get physical health. You know, everyone has like mental health, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if you live in Fox Rock or you live under a rock, you know, it's 
you know, it can affect everyone, like, you know what I mean, that we all naturally get them ups and downs, and, and it's okay to reach out for help, and, and I want to talk, and just to say, look, I'm not feeling good, you know, because, I think a lot of the time, I, th- I don't know if it's an Irish culture thing or the way we're brought up as a kid, like it doesn't matter what's going on in the house, just don't let the neighbours find out sort of thing. So you're you're growing up and you're not being able to talk about what's going on on the inside, you know, you're afraid to talk about it, you don't want to be judged. And yeah. the ability to just be able to grow up and say, no, do you know what, everything's not all right, you know, I'm sick, of, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, you know, that I want... I want, I want, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And from my personal experience, as soon as I was able to reach out for help and say, no, I'm not okay. You know, that, that's when things started to change when I could finally just throw in the towel, you know, and just and reach for help. Yeah. And getting to that point, Colm, is, is really difficult. You know, it takes a lot to, to acknowledge what's happening. Um, but also to, to seek the courage to reach out for help. And just to kind of follow on from what you were saying there around the stigma, um, AWARE's vision is to create a society where people affected by stress or depression, bipolar disorder or any mood related condition, it's to create a society where they're understood, where they're supported, where they're free from stigma. That stigma is so important, but also where they're encouraged to access the appropriate treatment or therapies for them. So everything that you've just said completely um, is is buys into our ethos, our objectives, and our vision. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, and it is that like you don't have to go to rock bottom to reach out. You know, and my only regret, like with, with my own mental health, is that I didn't reach out a lot sooner. You know, that I didn't have to let it get completely out of hand before I was reaching out. You know, I remember going into work and just feeling, just feeling so anxious, you know, and trying to, being freaked out, that going into work afraid that I was going to have a panic attack today because I didn't know how to deal with my anxiety and I couldn't even talk to anyone. You know, I remember ringing up a friend to t- tell him what was going on and we, I was giving myself a pep talk and I rang him and I said, how are you? And he's like, God, oh, bloody blah, I'm grand, how are you? And I was like, eh... Did you watch the match the weekend? And we proceeded to talk about Paul Pogba for the next 20 minutes. And then I just hung up the phone because I just couldn't open up and tell people, look, man, I'm I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm feeling anxious. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I feel like crying all the time. I can't get motivation. I don't want to get out of bed. I can't sleep at night. You know, I just can't seem to get a break from my head. Yeah. And, you know, Colm, as I'm hearing you talking, you know, you've described some of the symptoms so well, you know, um, and you've described how hard it is to actually let somebody in and let somebody know what's happening for you. And we hear, we hear that time and time again on the support line. <clears throat> AWARE has a number of services, but my, um, my involvement in AWARE is as a support line manager. So, you know, we hear time and again from callers who who call the support line who say, my gosh, you know, I've called you guys, you know, three, four five times and I just couldn't um, find the words. I didn't know how to start the sentence. Um, and then when they do start the sentence, they get, you know, wonderful support from our volunteers. But acknowledging that it's so, so difficult to take that first step. 
Um, and, and perhaps breaking the stigma is part of that, you know, that if we are in a culture and in a society where everybody talks about their mental health in the same vein as how they would talk about a broken leg or, you know, a sore wrist or diabetes, we, we need as a society um, to create that culture where mental health is not viewed differently to physical health. And I also remember a standout, a standout part for me um, in my journey with AWARE. Um, I was only a wet day in the door and um, we were running one of our uh, recruitment training days. And our director of services at the time stood up to, to deliver her content. And the first thing she said was, um, can, you know, can I get a show of hands of everybody in the room who has mental health? And there was 120 people um, at this training day. It was a massive recruitment drive and a big training intake. And only a handful of people stood up, okay, or raised their hand. So there was a little bit of nervous anxiety around the room saying, will I, won't I, do I, don't I? And only a handful of people were brave enough to say, yeah, okay. And those are the people who quite possibly had a, you know, a unique experience with their mental health. But the actual fact and her point in broaching that question was that every single person in the room has mental health. And whether your mental health is well at the moment or whether your mental health is taking a little dip, we all have it. Yeah, no, and that's it, one percent. And I think it's it's like it's a reminder that like during difficult times often brings difficult emotions. And if there is anyone struggling because of their environment, all it just literally means that you're being a human being. You know, you're yeah. feeling perfectly normal symptoms of being a, a human being when we, we naturally get ups and downs. You know, and uh, and not to but butter it up like you know we like we're not. You know, part of being part of being alive is it, it, like inevitably we're gonna go through stages of pain and, and suffering. You know, and I don't mean to set that to sound bleak, but more so to just to be able to accept how I feel. That when I start to run away from how I'm feeling, that's when it turns to suffering. When I'm trying to avoid that, I'm feeling anxious or depressed. I'm like, oh, let's go for a run so I don't feel it. Or maybe if I buy this nice thing online, I'll feel better. Or maybe if I eat these five chocolate cakes. I'll escape or maybe if I work extra hours at the weekend, I won't need to listen to my head, you know, and it's only when I can actually acknowledge that I'm feeling and how I'm feeling and be able to open up and talk about it as well, you know, and and like talking is one of the the best tools that I've found over the years to to deal with health to just say, look, I'm I'm not feeling good. Talking is hugely important. but on, on, on the flip side of talking, it's the ability to be heard as well. So mm. we don't want to talk to people who are going to tell us what we could or would or should do. Um, so when we talk and we share, you know, it's 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 really important to to share with a trusted person. So someone who we know will will listen. Um, and, and for many people, you know, they struggle with identifying who that one empathic person is that they can turn to without judgment or opinion. Um, and that's where we step in because we don't bring opinion or judgment to our calls ever. Um, we, we hear our callers um, and we acknowledge what their experience is um, without telling them what they should or could or would do. 
Um, so it is absolute support for someone and to hear someone, to hear what they're sharing. Um, it's an absolute privilege, actually, Colm, you know, because when someone takes that brave step to reach out, we've all had conversations, Colm, you know, where we have a chat with someone and then they start telling us, oh, well, I know what you mean because this happened to me or that happened to me. And then all of a sudden, you know, the conversation is flat and, and you're not feeling like you're being listened to at all. And <laughs> um, so, you know, part of AWARE and how our volunteers support callers um, would be to truly actively listen to them and hear their experience um, and acknowledge that for what it is, you know. Um, and then beyond that, to to maybe, you know, encourage the caller to to explore some helpful actions that they might be able to take like you mentioned earlier for yourself you know talking is really something fundamentally that worked for you you know so that might be you know acknowledging that you know perhaps I need to share a little bit more and perhaps I need to um, have a look at maybe some talk therapy or something like that and but those will be unique options for individual callers and and those options will be their own we would never impose anything on anyone yeah and that's that's one of the benefits of ringing the support line you know that you know yeah it's it's totally anonymous you know and it's just it's an ear to listen on and and it's a non-judgmental phone call you know and there's always there's always a sense of comfort in that being able to open up and talk to a complete stranger, you know, because I found in, in times in the past, you know, sometimes when you're trying to open up to a family member, someone close, that, you know, straight away in our heads, because they, they, they love us, they're trying to fix us and yeah. tell us what we ought to do. Well, not that they mean harm or they mean to be rude, but it's just that they don't know how to, I suppose, to, 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 to help the, the best way they can. You know, the straight away it's like, no, you need to do this or you should do that and blah de blah. Where sometimes it's just nice to be listened to. Oh, it's it's amazing to be listened to, Column, you know. And one of the other things that Aware focuses on, um, and I mentioned earlier is is the for people who are supporting a loved one with um mental health concerns. Um, it's very hard for someone in a supportive role to know how much is too much or when to take a step back, you know, mm-hmm. um, quite often we'll hear from, uh, you know, a parent of an adult child and, you know, they're trying to, you know, get the person up and out in the morning and motivate them as best they can. And, you know, the simple answer to all of that is nobody can make someone else do something that they're not ready to do or not able to do. Um, so we provide a lot of care for people who are in supporting roles, who, for people who are concerned about a loved one, that they can find <clears throat> tips and um, helpful actions to be able to properly support their loved one in perhaps a more proactive way, as opposed to the directive, you know, fix it force that is coming from a gorgeous place within them and a place of love and concern, but it's just not serving the purpose that they wanted to. So part of um, our relatives and friends offering would be, you know, to, to, to help them understand what actions are they taking that are helpful um, and perhaps then reframe or or stop some actions for themselves that might not be helpful or that might be, you know, um, 
maybe considered as a little bit forceful or directed upon the other person um, and it can really help people who are in supportive roles to to look at uh, at their actions and how they can best support someone but also it can really help the that, that supporter to look at well what's the impact on me so you know we would get just under a quarter of our calls annually to the line are from people who are in supportive roles so concerned loved ones families friends uh, spouses parents um, and and really you know that that phrase that you used of fixing it that's sometimes what we hear on the call you know they desperately want to know how do I fix this person that I so deeply love um, and, and we support them in those questions but we also support them in how it's impacting them because quite often watching somebody in a really bad place can be really difficult you know um, and it can be really hard not knowing and feeling helpless feeling helpless that they can't make it all better and um, so we do focus on you know the self-care for the supporter as well and understanding you know how to look after yourself so just like if you were if we were able to go on a holiday and be able to be on a flight at the moment um, <laughs> Holiday to Oxford. Holiday to Oxford. We would be looking at the in-flight, you know, um, the safety precautions. And it Mm. would be, you know, for parents of children, put your own mask on first. Because you cannot support someone else if you're not well yourself. So our focus um, and, and, you know, the insight that we give to people in a supportive role um, is to look after your own well-being to put you in a position where you can properly look after um, your loved one yeah yeah that's so true and as i heard someone say before you know you can't pour from an empty glass you know never yeah just try to get our own self-care in there first you know and like what what say in a scenario where you're living with someone who's going through anxiety and depression but they're refusing to get help like what what would you recommend to someone that has has someone like that living with them that they that they love dearly so you know Callum I wish I could um I think I'd be a millionaire Callum if I had the magic answer for that um mm. there unfortunately there isn't a, a one-size-fits-all response okay um, you know, for someone who is living with someone and, and the person is rejecting all help, um, there is a real sense of helplessness for for the for the family member. Um, and, the, you know, they they might feel like they've approached a dead end. But we believe that hope is always there and recovery is possible. And it might mean just looking at small steps. Um, so on our on the aware website we have um, a section that's dedicated to uh, people in a supportive role okay and part of that website uh, the, the section that segment of the website there is a little tool saying what have I already tried okay so it gets the supporter to look at actions that they've already tried so that might be um, say making an appointment with a GP for their loved one and then fighting with their loved one because the loved one is refusing to go okay so we might say look at that as a as a 
as an action that we've already tried. And then we get you to look at, well, has that been helpful? Okay. And now we can start to then really reflect on, well, what's a helpful action and what's not a helpful action? So we can yeah. then change how we're supporting the person and in effect then change how we're feeling based on their responses, okay? So there's a bit of a vicious circle there going on because the more we try to convince someone to do something, the more hurt we are when they're not or the more worried we are when we see them rejecting that help. So when we look at our actions and say, okay, so what am I trying? And reflecting on, is it helpful or is it not? We can then change our patterns of behavior and how we're interacting with our loved one. Yeah. No, and yeah, move no. more towards encouragement, you know? Yeah. Like I, I was always told like the best way to, I suppose, motivate someone is to live by example, you know, and, to always going to share your, your own experiences rather than telling someone what to do, you know, Absolutely. to try and, and live by example. And as I heard someone say before, you know, a lot of services out there, you know, unfortunately, they, they only, they don't work for people that need them. They, they work for people that want them, like, you know, and yeah. it is that thing about bringing the horse to water, you know, and, you know, a lot of time, all we can do is just try and be loving and 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 as, as compassionate and un, as understanding as we can until that person gets to a place where they're ready to look for help. Yeah, and and you know, hope is there. There are, you know, that they were once in a place that they didn't want help. They couldn't see that there was any help out there for them, and then some stage during their journey they sought help and now they're in recovery. So now they're well. So where where they were, you know, some time ago at the start of their journey, not seeing the wood for the trees, not seeing that there might be a possibility of hope and help out there for them is now not where they are at all. They've mm. come the other side and we believe that recovery is possible. And we're here to, to, to help people you know, maybe have a look and, and reflect on, on themselves and small steps that they can take to get to that stage of recovery. And recovery is different for, for every different person. Um, you know, recovery for one person might mean, you know, getting really fit and running a marathon and using exercise as part of their well-being every day. And recovery for another person might be, you know, <clears throat> maybe taking up a hobby or, you know, finding something every day that brings them joy. Recovery for everyone is completely different. And yeah. um, so, you know, um, going back to your first question of, you know, what would you do if you were living with someone? I suppose maybe acknowledging first that what you would hope recovery is for that person might not be what they see as yeah. recovery for themselves. Yeah, that, and I love that, you know, and that, that is so true. Like, it's 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 important that like this the old saying goes you know different strokes for different folks that everyone has their own way of finding recovery and i suppose finding inner peace like i, I like to get into the sea whereas other people might like reading a book like you know and you know i suppose it's finding your own personal formula to see what is it like what what would you recommend for someone that's on that journey to find with their own recovery would you say to try different well-being things to see what make what you actually enjoy there's so much information out there column 
at the moment, you know. Um, but a very simple way to look at it would be to think of a time when things were going well for you. And to think of that time and think, well, what was I doing at that time? Is there something that I was doing then that was working well for me, that was bringing me joy, that was bringing me maybe contentment or happiness or fulfillment in my life? Yeah. Is that now missing or has that gone by the wayside? And, you know, a simple thing, um, say for me as a person, I love to write. I love to write. Um, so for different periods during the year I'll be you know gung-ho at the start of the year from January to March I'll be journaling and I'll be writing and then at some stage during the year I kind of let that go and bad habits slip in mm. and then and then I have a look and think oh god I haven't done that for a while and actually that's very grounding for me that's really good for me to manage my own you know ongoing mental um well-being and I start to bring that in again okay um so when someone is going through um, a low mood, a bad episode, um, it can be just as simple as thinking about a time when they were well and thinking about actions that they were actively pursuing or doing and then bringing those back again. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I know that's a really small answer, but it can be just that one small step that leads to the next bigger step and then maybe the third even bigger step towards their recovery yeah i love that yeah it's so true isn't it and like it is that thing that sometimes we do like naturally like i i i, I struggle with consistency you know what i mean that i'm, I'm yeah. great for like a week you know especially the start of the last lockdown i was gonna learn spanish i was gonna get a two second five <laughs> kilometer you know i was gonna learn how to play the didgeridoo you know all these uh great things and after like a day or two i was like i'll go back to the fridge <laughs> you know yeah, it's yeah. uh you know i'm a great man for my intentions but it is that thing that look we do get the times where i don't like saying off track but where we do kind of lose that consistency of things that make us feel good and you know sometimes it's just about going back to the winning formula it's like a, say if you had a math zone that two plus two equals four but if you have you have your uh, say swimming and running equals peace of mind and at least you know what your sum is or your formula you know and your yours might be writing or journaling you know that's about finding like at least we know what it is that makes us feel good so when we go back to doing that activity we'll naturally feel okay well not yeah. that it's going to make us it's not going to be a cure-all you know but it's good to acknowledge some things that it's yeah. a start it's good things that'll trigger yeah. some uh, well-being yeah it's a little, uh, it's a little toolkit, and it's it's unique to you, and it's personal to you, and it's something that you know works, you know, um, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of reflection to say, okay, what am I missing? What 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 am I not doing now that I really enjoy doing? Yeah, yeah, no, that that's so true, isn't it? And... I suppose when you are going through stages of, say, depression, it's really hard to find that motivation. You know what? Um, yeah. like what what would be some of the symptoms, say, of anxiety and depression? Um, so, so yeah, we'll start with um, we'll start with anxiety because we do know that the current climate has increased anxiety levels as a result, and I suppose just to um to frame anxiety you mentioned earlier 
um, column, you know, that we're human beings and these are human reactions. And anxiety is a natural response. And at this present time, you know, tonight we're going into our second lockdown of the year. So if somebody is feeling additionally anxious as a result of that, that's a natural human response. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and where we, where we can, I suppose, fall into a little bit of trouble is where we let those symptoms go on for extended periods. So for anxiety, you'd be looking at symptoms like, um, you know, disturbed sleep, um, tenseness, feeling panicky. Maybe your breathing uh, becomes very fast paced. Um, you could even, you know, start sweating if you're if you're feeling very anxious. Um, your heart starts kind of uh, racing a little bit. You can be trembling. Um, but then you can also have more severe side effects or symptoms um, that would be, you know, excessive and undue worrying. Um, so, you know, thinking a lot and um, maybe thinking morbid thoughts. And then, of course, then you have feelings of panic and panic attacks. OK, so those would be the symptoms of anxiety. And then looking at depression, you mentioned a couple of the symptoms um, already, actually. Um, but we have we have a, an acronym that we use in in a way to to help kind of frame what those symptoms might be. Um, and the acronym is festival. OK, so the F stands for feelings. So feeling sad, feeling anxious, feeling guilty. Um, e is for energy. So that can be um, a real low energy. So you mentioned earlier, you know, that motivation, just feeling really sluggish. Um, sleep comes into depression as well as coming into the symptoms of anxiety. Uh, and that can be over or under sleeping. OK, so you're you're identifying a real difference in your sleep patterns. And then your your thinking per concentration and uh, maybe a slower thought. So sometimes with anxiety, the thinking can be really, really fast um, and kind of whizzing around in your head. But in um, a depressed state, the thinking can slow right down. Then the I then stands for interest. So lots of interest in um, things that you like to do. So like maybe social interaction with your friends, you know, yeah. not making the phone calls that you would normally make not being interested in your hobbies um, or, you know, not being bothered to go down and sit with your family and watch a program. You kind of withdraw a little bit from your interests. Um, a big one is the V and that's your low self-esteem. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who can, you know, say, yes, I, I've had low self-esteem before and that does not feel nice. Um, Aches, aches and pains, there can be some physical symptoms attached um, with depression. So, you know, and no explanation for them. So just, you know, the physical aches and pains throughout the body. Um, and then the final, um, the final letter in festival is L and that's around uh, life. OK, so you can have a loss of interest in living, thinking about death and thinking about suicidal thoughts. So those would be the, the symptoms. Um, we acknowledge that for both the, the symptoms of anxiety and the symptoms of depression, everyone can have a bad day. OK, so a bad day can have some of these symptoms. 
So mm. every person as a human being, there's natural responses to, you know, maybe, you know, the pandemic, maybe there's a loss, you're grieving for someone who you've laid to rest. Maybe there's been a traumatic incident um, in, in your personal life. And those symptoms might be natural responses to, to what's happening. But where we identify then that, um, you know, this might be uh, something that needs intervention or treatment is where the symptoms go on for you five or more symptoms for periods of two weeks or more. Okay. okay. Um, and our suggestion would be that if you identify any of those symptoms, so five or more of those symptoms for two weeks or more, um, check in with your GP as a first protocol and um, some some physical health conditions can mirror the symptoms of depression so it might not be depression at all but it's really good to check in with the gp and rule out any uh, physical condition and then you know open up a conversation around then how to best treat your mental health yeah and that's it like diagnosing the problem i think is half the battle you know because sometimes we we can have a problem going on and we don't even know what the problem is so we can't seek a solution to the problem you know so i suppose getting that bit of um getting that bit of guidance to say right this potentially is is the problem here and then we can go on to I suppose a recovery program or to find a potential solution to the problem yeah. And one one thing, Colin, we hear on the line quite a lot is, you know, callers expressing that they don't know what to say. They don't know how to start that conversation with their GP, you know, and, and it all seems like too much, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, not to be batting the, the website drum too much. But there's a great lecture on our website. Um, if you just go on to www.aware.ie and there's a whole lecture series, you can also find it on our YouTube channel. One of the lectures is on how to talk to your doctor. OK, um, and it's absolutely fantastic lecture because it breaks it down. Um, the lecture is by uh, Dr. Lisa Lawless and she discusses how to prepare for a consultation with your GP. And she also discusses what questions to ask what you can do and um, what can you what you can expect your GP can do for you and then any options for treatment or referral and how you can help yourself so um, it's quite a, an enlightening lecture and um, the word lecture some people kind of go oh god do I really want to watch this but it's really informative um, lots of really good strong content in all of the lectures on our lecture series but you know in the early stages if someone is a little bit apprehensive about taking that step of going to the gp and that can be a really really helpful short video to watch yeah and it is that that sometimes we could be mortified you know going into the doctor and you know being like oh what's wrong with you i mean like oh uh, i don't i don't i don't actually know like you know and it's like well like i can't treat you or, or diagnose you or give you a, i don't know <laughs> unless you tell me what's up with you you know and yeah i suppose it is that thing but as we said earlier as soon as we do seek that help we always feel a lot better like you know what i mean as soon as we reach out and it's that thing i don't know things that we big up 
uh, you know, we start to listen to that inner dialogue in our heads and that will talk us out of it. And then as soon as we do it, it's always that thing, Jesus, why was I so worried about that? That, was, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. And, you know? and quite often, you know, it's then realising, actually, you know, this morning before I went and took that step, I thought that there was nothing was going to help me feel better. And now I have options. Okay, I don't feel better right now, but I have options and I can see a pathway now. Whereas, you know, a couple of hours previously, I couldn't see a pathway. It was just dense brush all around. And I couldn't see a way out. Um, and it is just that, you know, that little piece of having options and having choice. Choice in, you know, what you do for yourself to help yourself feel better. Yeah, that that is, isn't it? And it's... It's great to have options as well and to have the freedom, you know, and I suppose I, today what it's like having that anxiety and going through patches of depression, you know, and it wasn't that long ago that where, where I was ringing, ringing up where, you know, seeking help and feeling down and low. I, I don't know if it was my ego or, or what it was. I'm not bad enough to be ringing mental health phone lines. Yeah. And, you know, Colm, who's to say, you know, what bad enough is you know oh, and it was like it was like removing a rock from me like a boulder from my chest you know to finally be able to open up and not only that the person i spoke to on the phone made it feel so normal you know made it just feel yeah that's 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 cool that's perfectly reasonable like to be feeling like that you know and i, I just felt so comfortable you know when, when you when like you you told like loads of people actually feel like that it's actually quite common you know when I always yeah. say I think what it's not you mean it's not just unique to me I'm not that important like you know what I mean yeah. everyone goes through anxiety and patches you know and just something you know there's something just really I suppose just just comforting and you know when you're going through that that when you're going through that bit of anxiety and you're hearing other people's stories of what they've went through and it's great comfort in that when we're hearing other people's it's struggling and other people going through rough times that we're not that everyone gets it you know it's not just unique to one person you know when we share a per, like our personal stories i think it brings people closer together you know sharing our own experiences you know and help us realize that we're not alone and there is help and support out there yeah Colin, one in 10 people at any time are affected um, by depression in Ireland alone. So that's 450,000 people in Ireland today are affected or impacted by depression. Yeah. That's astounding because the, the nature of depression is isolating in itself, you know. Mm. So we withdraw, we feel, you know, we feel like we're absolutely alone in our experience. But we know that actually, no, there's, you know, there's another 449,000 people who are feeling in a similar way at any yeah. given time. Um, and it, and it's, it's lovely and uplifting and an encouraging to hear your experience of Colin's support line. You know, um, that, that's what we're here to do. We're here to, you know, I don't like the word normalize or normal, but but it is important to know that, you know, it is a common condition and to normalize it is it's hugely powerful to our callers. 
Um, yeah. So it's lovely as the sport line manager to hear that that was your experience of the sport line is yeah, is no, uh, is lovely. Yeah, no, because no, yeah, and it was actually one of the one of the the people I was speaking to. You know, we're going through like what would make you feel better, maybe writing a goals list. You know, and yeah. I remember going, yeah, what? So I said writing the, when I got off the phone, he planted the seed in my head, and I said writing the goals list, and one of the goals list was to actually start a podcast. Great, and, and here things, you are. Yeah, and Yay. like so I've done this, and you know, fitness one, and the other one was to go on and be a volunteer myself. You know what I mean? Which I'm really grateful that I was able to go back and do to, to to be a volunteer myself. And you know, and there is this great comfort in that I find when you're able to, you know, you could I suppose you can connect with someone on a deeper level through that experience as well. You know, someone else that's just going through that that level of of pain, and it's like that. I remember hearing this story once. Um, where this guy's trapped down a hole and he's been trying for ages to get out and he just can't. And, you know, and this millionaire walks past the hole and he shouts up to him, hey, mate, will you give us a hand? And your man throws down a cheque for a couple of million, but he's still stuck down this hole. And then it... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's rich now, though. But, uh, and then, then this priest walks past. He says, here, priest, give us a hand for it, will you? And... Uh, the priest just says a rosary and a prayer for him and he walks away, but he's still stuck down the hole. And then a doctor walks past and says, please, doctor, will you help me here? I can't get out. And the doctor writes him this subscri- prescription. As I would say, a subscription, a prescription. <laughs> and he's still he's still stuck down this hole. And then another guy, just, an average guy, is just walking past, looks down the hole, sees him there and jumps down. And the guy says, why did you get down here, man? Now the two of us are stuck down here. He says, don't worry, mate. I've been down this hall before and I've been out. I've got out of it loads of times. So just follow me. And That's like, what I love about that story is that sometimes it's sharing our own experience, strength and hope to help someone else, you know? Yeah. And you used the word hope a few times. And I remember hearing an abbreviation for hope is hold on, pain ends. You know, and, and it is that thing that like, you know, no matter what we're going through, that it, it does pass, you know, if we follow the, like, like if we break our legs, the pain is absolutely excruciating. And if you're lying on the ground in pain with a broken leg and people are coming up to you saying, oh, don't worry, this will pass or it gets better. Keep the chin up, mate. You know, it's the last thing you want to hear, you know, because you're just in so much pain and you want to get out of it. You know, but if you follow the right recovery program and along with giving it time, that it will heal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it everything can pass. We we would, you know, like to I suppose hold off on any promissory um mentions to people who use our services because we it is anonymous and it is confidential and we don't know what their experience is in entirety. So we would never promise someone that it's going to get better, but we absolutely encourage that it can get better. Okay. So just like, you know, your um, description there of the broken leg, you know, we know it's absolutely possible that that leg can get better and might take a little bit of a a few extra visits, you know, um, and maybe a couple of weeks longer than we anticipated but we know it can get better, okay? Um, and that, in essence, is hope, you know? Yeah. Um, I heard, a, I heard a, a really 
lovely phrase and, and, and quite a profound phrase actually um, around, you know, people's experience at this time, because we have seen an, an increase um, column in demand across our services. Um, and someone said recently, you know, if they hear that we're all in the same uh, storm, it, again, they'll, they'll explode because their experience of the storm was different to someone else's experience of the storm. Yeah. And, and the person said, yeah, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. I love that. So it was very profound. And I just kind of thought, I'm going to hold on to that because that is really just a snapshot of how different people experience different things. Yeah. Um, and just to have that empathy, to bring that empathy that you know, going, I'm here on my big cruise liner and, you know, there's someone in a rowing boat tugging along beside me, you know, yeah. and it's to have empathy. It's, yeah. you know, like the man jumping into the hole. It's to be able to say, I, I don't know what to say. I can't make it better, but I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's so true, isn't it? And sometimes it is we don't know what other people are going through you know so to try i suppose go from a to b and being as kind as you can have every interaction you have throughout the day as as loving and as compassionate as you can because you never truly know what people are going through and it's it's usually the people that are are suffering that can be the people that are I suppose you could say people that are a bit off or people that are a bit angry, you know, they're usually the people that need the most compassion, you know, um, and understanding, like, you know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical professional, but I, but I do know from, from being involved and aware that depression can manifest itself in, in different behaviors. So, you know, maybe for, um, for someone it manifests in irritability and, you know, we might pass that off as, Oh, someone's just being grumpy and irrational. Um, but actually that's just how, you know, the depression is impacting their behaviors because, you know, our thoughts and our behaviors are so closely linked. Um, and for someone else that might, you know, their depression might make them more teary or weepy, you know, and we might pass that off as, oh, God, they're just too soft. And um, so yeah. it's it's never to judge. I mean, we're a non-judgmental service and we, you know, encourage um, everyone to approach um, their loved ones and their strangers on the street in a non-judgmental uh, fashion because we don't know what what someone else is is going through or what they're enduring at all yeah no, it be, is, kind. So. be kind be kind column be kind yeah. yeah be kind be understanding and and it is that you know and what they, like to one to, to the world you might be one person but to one person you might be the world, the world. Yeah. you know and sometimes it is that just to say look are you okay you know to ring a friend and say how are you doing are you okay and you don't like you don't always have to open up. I know it's sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's just about having a chat and being able to say, Look, I'm okay and you know, just to be able to have a, a nice gentle chit chat, you know what I mean? For one person it might be very easy to open up and have the chats and say what's really going on with them, you know, and other times people just have their own kind of way of, of dealing with it, you know, what one what works for you mightn't work for something else. So I think trying to force certain 
things on people as well. You know, if you have a friend and you're saying, oh, I've done this and that, you need to do that now. This <laughs> this fix me. So it's going to fix you, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I'm allergic. I'm allergic. Definitely in my personal life, um, Colm, I'm allergic to people telling me what, what to do. Uh, I have an actual reaction to it. Uh, um, it it's, you know, and, and, you know, again, I suppose going back to the place, people don't tell you that just to be bossy and just to yeah. you know to be a dominant force in your life and um, they are probably telling you that because it's coming from a lovely place of love and care um mm. but yeah it's best to be um proactive we see definitely here and aware we see the benefit of a proactive communication as opposed to directive communication yeah. um it, it's it's really you know about laying out suggestions and if yeah. one lands it lands great um but if it doesn't that that's okay too yeah that's true and you you were saying there about the increased number of callers like would you see that as a positive or a negative i suppose you could say it's a negative that m more people kind of are in a place where they need to reach out for help or is it a positive that people are reaching out for help in the first place definitely it's a two-sided coin um column um we're seeing an increased demand because of the current situation which means that you know what's going on in ireland and globally is impacting people's mental health and and quite possibly might do so for quite a while yet we're not too sure what the fallout from this is be it financial um worries or you know health worries or ongoing concerns as a result of the pandemic um, so yeah. definitely the increase we've seen has been in response to the current situation but having said that um column we saw a massive increase in 2019 to our support line service and that's on the back of, you know, the word being out there and people being aware of what supports are there for them. You know, mm. um, we've got, you know, a huge presence on social media and um, our website is fantastic and gets a lot of footfall. Um, and by by the very measure of both of those, say just the social media and our website alone, you know, people are now becoming informed. And we would hope that that is leading to picking up the phone and reaching out to support. So yeah. while we see that there has been a reaction to what's going on, we were seeing that anyway. Um, we were seeing increases anyway. Um, and that is, you know, perhaps there's a good news story in that column, you know, that people aren't suffering in silence. And and perhaps that stigma that we discussed at the very start of this call, um, perhaps that stigma is easing, you know, and people are feeling um, that it, it is okay to reach out for, for yeah, support. It is, it is um, to be able to humanise mental health, to say yeah, that everybody gets it, you know, and, and it's nothing wrong with reaching out and you know it's, it's not something that you you chat about in the pub with the lads like you'd say oh will you give us a point there and I'm feeling insecure like you know it's yeah you know it's uh, I know it is it's a I but in saying that I think there's a lot a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing on social media now is related around mental health and you know I've seen an article now with schools discussing about 
talking about bringing in like as young as like junior infants about teaching kids how to process emotions to label emotions conflict resolution you know meditation and mindfulness you know all this sort of stuff that i wasn't taught as a kid or i wasn't taught by my parents because they didn't know either you know what i mean that they they were dealing with the tools that they were taught how to if you walked up to your mom and said i was feeling anxiety she'd say oh if you have a bit of uh, flat seven up that'll help with that you know (laughs) you know boil it there for 10 minutes yeah a bit of bit of vapor rub bit of vapor rub you know or tiger bomb or whatever you know it's they just didn't they just didn't have the tools to even talk about it you know you didn't talk about how, how you felt you just got on with it you know what i mean unless you can see it like i know that sort of mom you know if we walked into the house and i was missing a leg i'd still have to go to school the next day you know yeah. what i mean you just you just <laughs> got on with it yeah <laughs> but i think there's a, a a great revolution starting at the moment in terms of our openness around mental health and to be able to talk about it and be because there's nowhere you can look now and you don't see some promotion around mental health you know what i mean and there's just help out there but i suppose when you're afraid to get that help it can, you know, that 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 will kind of get get inside you, like. You know what what we saw as a result of the pandemic was perhaps the complexity of the calls was a little bit deeper, you know, mm. um, and people who might have been experiencing depression for some time now had a general sense of, you know, increased, um, you know helplessness and hopelessness because um some a lot of the mental health services um couldn't couldn't see them anymore so you know if you think of someone who part of their ongoing recovery was to access maybe mental health um centers um on a maybe a weekly basis they could no longer go into those uh, community mental health services so all of those services um were limited and you know the HSE is doing fantastic work to try and you know bring mental health to to the forefront now and um, and that's great and you're right column there's a great awareness across social media and information platforms and we see it on you know maybe you know the nine o'clock news or some of the you know the primetime shows a focus on mental health is definitely there now where it wasn't maybe years gone by um but is it enough probably not um we're we've kind of come in great strides but we've still a way to go uh before everybody puts mental health in the same bracket as physical health uh, or, yeah. or puts the same weighting to it we've still a ways to go but but you know going back on what you said around the schools yeah fantastic absolutely fantastic uh column the schools are really embracing wellness um today myself in my children's school it was wellness wednesday and you know the had activities all day today around their wellness oh, um yeah which is fantastic you know yeah. um from awareness perspective we have our schools program and so it's the life skills for schools program and we actually deliver that ourselves with the school um, and we deliver it from transition year so ty fifth and sixth years Um, and basically it's you know 
based on the principles of CBT um, and it just teaches them life skills. It teaches them the link, the vicious circle that we talked about earlier and the link between our thoughts and our behaviours and our actions. And it gets, you know, the younger generation to identify that um, before it's a problem, you know, so that they can look at the actions that they're taking and how those actions impact their mood. Um, and, and how that then circle can go round and round and round. Um, so, yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's a hugely popular service of ours um, and we're very proud of it. Um, and our goal is to get that Life Skills for School programme in every school in Ireland. We just see it as an invaluable service. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah, that's great. And just while we're talking about that, um... You know, on the aware, you know, there's several other supports. As does, does the as you were saying with the family support program and just adult programs, and you know, to be able to kind of sit in a group and talk to, to other people, they completely disagree. Um, about kind of just about mental health. Yeah, uh, we, you know, some of our services have had to, um you know, redirect our, our approach um, because of social distancing guidelines and, and what's going on at the moment. Um, we, we don't have a replacement um, offering for our relatives and friends programme at the moment, but we are working on that, um, ac- you know, actually working on that at the moment because we see that as a vital service that we want to be able to reintroduce. Um, we were able to make virtual offerings of all our other services. So um, the support line is still in operation. Um, the support and self-care groups, we have um, a, an availability of a phone-in group um, and also a Zoom group, okay? So um, so you can phone in and it's kind of like if you've ever been on a conference call. So lots of people dialing in to a call at a predetermined time Um, and so they collectively get a chance to hear and share what their experience is or what their challenges have been that week or um and get that peer-to-peer support peer-to-peer support is so important Um, and then a little extension on that is being able to actually see other people in attendance at the group so we have zoom um, support and self-care groups as well so um, you can register for um, either of those support and self-care groups either phone in or by zoom and you can register online and of course we have our hugely popular uh, life skills online program which is um, basically it's it's like um like the life skills for school um in terms of its its ethos and and where it comes from and it's based on the principles of of cbt but it's uh, modified for a, an online setting so it's just you you're given access to um these modules that you do over time um and you also have the benefit of having a a volunteer supporter mentor you through the program so as you're going through the program and um, someone is there to kind of, you know, leave you messages and encourage you to keep going through the through the program and reflect on some of the things that you might have shared through the program. So that is also something you can register on our website 
Um, and we're very, um, we're thrilled to be able to uh, provide our life skills group program, um, which was always very possible or very popular. Um, we're very thrilled to be able to provide that in a virtual setting again. Um, and that is uh, via Zoom as well. So you're part of a group of people who are logging in and a facilitator is delivering the program to you and hugely helpful program, again, based on the principles of, of CBT. I love that. Yeah. Mm. So great. Lots of services there. Lots of services. And, mm. and obviously with the support line, just in case anyone doesn't know, it is it is available Monday to Sunday, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, yeah, it's for, for anyone age 18 years or older who is seeking support or information about their own mood or the mood of a friend or a family member who, yeah. who are going through, who are experiencing anxiety, depression or bipolar. Yeah, and it's a free phone, uh, confidential, within normal limits. Um, and the number is one 800 Maria actually has that number tattooed on her wrist. <laughs> she is so devoted yes, to her all. <laughs> so devoted to her all. <laughs> oh, I tell you, you know, when you find a job that just fits. Um, yeah. and and it's really it fits because it's a very inspiring organization to be involved in um, and purely because it's volunteer led so yeah. my inspiration comes from you know the over 450 volunteers who lead our services our support services and yeah. um, and you know that's incredibly inspiring to be part of yeah and um, yeah I, all yeah. i can say is thank you to each and every one of our volunteers yeah and it is if you do good you feel good and that's yeah you know that's the best wages is the peace of mind yes know. indeed yeah <laughs> even if it's one call if you're logged on for three hours of a shift and you only get one call that's one yeah. person that you connected with and that you that's gave right. an ear yeah. to um, and it's huge value in that column yeah, 100%. And look, if you can, even with this podcast, you know, if you can connect and help one person, then it's it's been a massive success, you know? Absolutely. And I, I, I would like to wish you every success with this podcast, um, Colin. I think it's fantastic that you're doing it and getting the message out there. Um, there is that cliche, it's okay to not be okay, you know? Uh, and sometimes we hear that as, as background noise and we don't actually hear the words in it. Yeah. Um, but to know that supports are there and other people have walked in the shoes that you're walking in um, yeah. and to seek that support, mm. you know? Yeah, it's all so true. Yeah, no, my plan is to, to knock Joe Rogan off the top spot. And like, <laughs> you know, when, you, when you write your novel, uh, you'll be on Oprah Winfrey <laughs> promoting it on your wellness wellness Wednesday. Uh, Wait, we're waiting for the big shot. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't steal that because, uh, you know, obviously it's the school brought that in first and I'm sure there's probably many schools across Ireland doing wellness yeah. Wednesday. So wellness I'll have to think of something new. Oh, <laughs> wellness Monday. Wexford. They're going to rename Wexford to wellness. <laughs> Wellford. <Absolutely>. Yeah, Wellford. <laughs> well, I... You know, it's such a gorgeous, you know, um, area. I'm a dub I'm, and I moved down here seven years ago. And mm. my God, I have the sea on my doorstep. I have the mountain behind me. Oh, um, and, you know, sometimes just if I'm having a tough day, whether it's, you know, because of I've had a busy day in work or, you know, 
the house is a mess or you know the kids are not playing ball um you know to just put on the runners and see the sky and feel the, the path beneath you and and there's huge power in that as well you know nature nurtures column doesn't it <laughs> really does nature's it's a great healer you know yeah it, uh, it heals everything that's what we say about getting into the sea like the work is hard but the wages are endless yeah you, know? <laughs> you want to try to convince to get in like i got, I got in today with a friend and i said like, he's like what's the lawyer? He's like, oh, it's grand this is what i've been there and he jumps in he's like yeah fucking lawyer it's freezing <laughs> and then he rang me like an hour later and he was just totally zen he's like yeah you have a point it does it does it does work yeah, um, what's that yeah. vitamin C, isn't it? A bit, vitamin C, yeah, indeed. Brilliant. It helps, it helps. It. Right, Maria, thanks a million for coming on. Had a, oh, a really enjoyable chat. So really. sorry, Colin. Thank you so, so much. I hope you after lockdown, I'll come down to Welford. Absolutely. You're well. more than welcome. More than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're pretty solid where you are in Sunny Sligo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'm not yeah. sly anymore. I'm back, back up in, uh, back up in Dublin for the lockdown oh, to celebrate. Okay. The, yeah, well, I'm in okay. Dunleary, so I'm right beside the sea. So, uh, oh, so I couldn't ask for a better uh, five-kilometer radius. And no. Matt Damon was standing on you up the road to me, so if it's good enough for Matt Damon, it's good enough for El Colin. Good enough for you, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, enjoy the sea, Colin. Right. Thank you so, so much for having right. me on. Thanks, really Maria. Bye. Bye-bye-bye.